Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, continues our message series titled, Occupy the Gates. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. Come on, can we welcome our campuses at South Shore and Plant City? What's up, Pastor Michael, Pastor Hector? We've got the best pastors. Man, we've got the best pastors in the world. I, uh, before we pray, I just wanted to say thank you. It's been Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, I wanted to say thank you on behalf of me and my wife and our family. We are privileged and honored to uh, be a part of such a great church and a great pastoral staff. Thank you for your cards and your gifts and your love and your grace. It's a little bit overwhelming to get so much response. We've been sitting and going through the cards and, and reading the cards and just taking a minute sometimes to shed a tear along the way. Thank you for your gratitude. Thank you for thanking us. It really means a lot. Thank you so much. God bless you. Uh, and, and let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, we love you, and we give ourselves to you today. We give ourselves to you today. We're asking that we'd be changed from the inside out. We'd leave here having deposited from your spirit, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen and amen and amen. We're in a series called Occupy, Occupy the Gates. We talked about uh, gates last week. We're gonna talk about walls today, and then next week we're gonna talk about mountains and the influence of the mountains. So when we think about walls, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Actually, don't tell anyone that. <laughs> when you think about walls, we think about keeping bad things out. I want you to think of something different. I want you to think of keeping good things in. I want you to think about building relationships inside of those walls and protecting what God has given you. Maybe the most famous wall that we could think of comes from the Great Wall of China, an amazing feat of mastery. And the Great Wall of China, 13,170 miles long, built over two millennia, 2,300 years old. Soldiers, peasants, convicts, and prisoners of war have built it. I, how many of you, anybody seen the wall? Has anybody been to the wall? I, I'd, love to, I'd love to go to the wall. I don't see anybody in the congregation. All right, oh, I see a couple. God bless you. What a cool, cool, cool experience. Uh, building a wall takes time. It, it takes energy and effort and teamwork and vigilance. And so what God is saying, we're going to use the book of Nehemiah and use the ancient wall in Jerusalem to talk about building our walls. We need to build some walls in our minds, don't we, church? We really do. We need to protect the sanctity of our minds. We need to build some walls in our lives. We need to put up some gates and we need to displace the enemy who is in the gate so that we would have power and possession of the things God said we deserve to have, we're supposed to have as believers, as Christians. And so when we think about walls, we wanna look at Nehemiah and then draw some conclusions from what Nehemiah did. He was an incredible strategist. He had a lot of ingenuity and intelligence and he had wherewithal and resources. He was a cupbearer to the king. And if you think about being a cupbearer, you would think of somebody who maybe is in a lowly position and a kind of humble state, but uh, I want you to think about this a little bit different, okay? He was the emissary to the most powerful person on planet Earth. He was trusted very much. He was very, very intelligent. He had incredible position in the kingdom, and he was the one that would taste the wine. If the wine was bad, he would die. Bad day for Nehemiah. <laughs> but... Think about the trust that the king at the time 
Artaxerxes would have had in Nehemiah and the proximity because anybody who, who lived in proximity to the king had to have the kind of pairing or matching to be at the estate of the king. And so he was a very well-to-do man and God used him, God used, here's how I want to start out, God used a businessman to change the trajectory of Israel's national worship. God used a businessman. And God can use you, wherever you are and what sphere you work in and live in and play in. Let's get going today. Let's look at Nehemiah's wall and rebuilding the wall and think about our hearts, our minds, our homes, our city, our nation. And so we looked at this last week. This is the ancient city of Jerusalem, um, a northern orientation. And I want you to just take note of these towers and then the walls. They had been destroyed. Seven years in Babylon, they had been taken captive. They had lost their national identity. They had lost much of their worship and they had lost their fervor for the Lord. Now I want you to think about this for just a moment. The nation that we live in in America, it's a great nation and we live in a great state and it is a great day. Uh, it's cooler today. Lord Jesus. We are privileged to live in the nation we live in, but for the last maybe 75 years, we've kind of lost our fervor, our heat for the Lord, haven't we? We really have, there are things going on in our nation, in our cities, in our hearts, and we need to rebuild these walls. We need to put them back together. We need to put them back together. Number one, a concern for the things of God. Just concern for the things of God. Uh, Nehemiah lived some distance away, a four-month journey. I'm going to talk about that in a second. He got news that the city had been destroyed. Okay, He knew that, but the city was in ruins. The leaders weren't taking their positions. The church was broken down. The temple, if you'll go back to the picture for just a second, the most important picture uh, inside of the city of Jerusalem is the temple to the north. It's the place that is raised. These gates, these walls would have been 30, 40 feet tall, and the temple would have been even taller. And that's the place where all of the people corporately went to worship the Lord. So the news came to Jeremiah that all of this had been broken down and torn down, dilapidated, that it was occupied by the enemy. His heart was broken is what the scripture says first. If you just look in your Bible or in the notes, Nehemiah 1, 3 through 4, and 11. And here's what Nehemiah's response was. And I want to ask a question that goes with this. What happens to your heart when you see the things that blight has brought to your community and your schools and your family and to the city and to the church? Nehemiah had this unique response. The Bible says that he wept and he mourned. Yes, I believe you at the Tampa campus. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth here at the Tampa campus too. Uh, we, we, we love our babies, especially on Baby Dedication Weekend, don't we? Come on, church. The Lord is good. <clears throat> he wept and he mourned and he fast and he prayed. Uh, I'm setting the stage now today and this series for where we get to in January, and we're going to talk about fasting and praying and giving ourselves to the Lord. And here's what Nehemiah knew. Nehemiah knew without a temple, a nation will fall into disgrace. And so I, 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 wanna, I wanna release this in the spirit and say this, a people who have lost the ability to worship God in the temple of their hearts and in the temple in their homes and in the temple at the school and in the temple, I said at the school, the temple at the school and at the temple of the church and at the temple of the city and at the temple of the region and at the temple of the nation are a people who will fall into disgrace. 
It will happen. And Nehemiah knew it, and Nehemiah was burdened and broken, and so he turned his face to prayer before God. And then he did something that was unusual. He confessed his own sin. And how many of you come to church, and I I hear this all the time, I'll preach a message or hear one of our pastors preach a message, and I'll hear somebody say, that message was for my brother. (laughs) And so there's a lot of elbows that take place in church, right? It's like, are you listening? And here's what the Lord says, are you listening? Are you listening? Because it includes all of us. Nehemiah said, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, has committed against you and we have acted very wickedly. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, the laws you gave us, your servant Moses. Remember, and then, and then this is a man who's prayed up. If, if you don't know what prayed up means, write it in your notes. Being prayed up means that you have prayed enough before God that your account in heaven is full. And when your account in heaven is full, you can make withdrawals. So it is awesome to remind God of what God said. Is to say to God, hey God, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying that if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But, I love seeing buts in scripture. Some of you are still warming up today, it's coming. Such and such and such and such, but. Such and such and such and such, but. Such and such and such and such, but, but God. But God is on his throne, but God is good, but God is not gone. God will bring revelation, but God, but God. He says, God, you said if we disobeyed you, we would be scattered. And that's what he says to us today. If you disobey, you'll be scattered. You'll lose your identity in me, and when you do, you'll fall into disgrace. Each of you and your homes and your cities and your region and your nation, you'll lose me. He says, but... If you call on my name, the summary of the scripture, he says, I'm going to regather you and bring you a place to worship and you will be glorified and the spirit of God will glow from the inside out in you. I will not leave you alone. There's a special Hebrew word in this prayer that Nehemiah showed such humility in bending his knee before the God of heaven and the word is hesed, H-E-S-E-D, hesed. It's pronounced chesed. Just don't say that in front of somebody close. Chesed. The Hebrew is chesed. And so chesed, I'm so tempted to say, just pray because he chesed. <laughs> Some of you are still warming up. Warm, warm, warmth, warmth and love in Jesus. Chesed means I'm going to pray to God, and I know God's going to answer my prayer because of his covenant love that started in the Old Testament, that's culminated in the New Testament in Jesus' blood. And it means even if I sin, you know that God says even when we sin, he never turns from us. Now that's a promise, church. Even when we sin, even when we walk away, even somebody, you can clap. If you want to clap, clap it in. If you, so <clears throat> what happens is when you're brave, I had a lady last night at service, she said, when you were praying, I just wanted to stand up. I said, do it. Do it. Because everybody else is waiting for somebody to respond in faith. It only takes 10% of a group of people to move an entire group of people to faith. 10%. We don't, we don't clap just to clap. We clap, clap as an act of worship. 
We sing as an act of worship. We give as an act of worship. We, we take steps. We go to the altar as an act of worship. As an act of worship. We activate. Because if you don't activate, there's no action in your uh, promise. And so we say, yes, God, I will. We don't move our feet. God says, I want your yes to be attended with an action. I want you to move towards me. Okay, that's the little sermonette. <laughs> that's a sermon on clapping at the crossing. God bless you. Yay! I didn't even, we didn't even plan that. Hey, Hercules, Hercules. I'm so happy. God is good. We're happy people. We're, we're happy. We're happy at South Shore. We're happy at Plant City. We're happy online. Has said is a promise. And wherever you are, whatever you're going through, your, your, gates, your gates are occupied. You've been burned down. It's been a long season. Your marriage isn't going well. Your finances aren't going well. Get on your knees and say to God, God, I've sinned. Don't mess around with God. Say, I've sinned. And then say to him, but you said that you would call me back and that my life would be elevated in you and you have not left me, you've never forsaken me and you're the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow and you are the same. And God, I say what you say. I say what you say. Don't presume on God, be real with God, but be real in his reality. Be real in his reality. And then he said, if it pleases the king because of unmerited, you need to write this down, hesed means undue or undeserved kindness or generosity. Undeserved kindness or generosity is what we ask for in God all the time. He said to the king, if it pleases the king, and it was dangerous to go in before the king, if it pleases you, send me now. I'm brokenhearted. And the king said, why is your heart broken? And he said, because the gates are burned down and the, the walls are torn down and the city is destroyed in Jerusalem. And he said, uh, how can I help you? That's what the king said. And, and and so what we need to know from the scripture is when you pray kesed and you ask God for his undeserved generosity and his blessing, then we can go in before people of influence and ask them for things that you could never ask for before. You could go into your job and say, I need to take two months maternity, three months. I don't even know how long maternity is now. I'm not sure. Somebody help me. Somebody in HR. Six weeks. I think it's longer than that. Okay, now we're arguing about it in the Tampa campus. Let's say, let's say, I'm not sure how long it is. It's at least six weeks. So if it's, let's just say it's six weeks. So you said, some of you are still discussing maternity leave now. I, no, elbows are happening. Let, let me get off maternity and do something else and just say, the, what we need, church, is we need the blessing and favor of God on our lives so that we can go into the people who have blessing and favor, whether they know Jesus or not, and ask for what they have so that we could do the purposes of God on the earth. The king, yeah, come on. The king, if we're ever going to see our city turned upside down, we have to have the permission of the scepter of those who rule the city. They have to be partners. We need to pray that the enemy at the gates are removed, the enemy is removed, and then there's union between the priest, in other words, the church and the body of Christ and the kings who rule and reign the city and the government and the region. There has to be a union. 
There can't be conflict between, between those, those things. Now, we can believe different things, but God is saying, why don't you pray for favor from the king so you can get favor from the kings? We gotta examine the wall. Nehemiah, <clears throat> I want you to see this a picture. Nehemiah didn't just play around and say, hey, I'm, I'm pretty burdened about this. He asked for resources from the king. He asked for time from the king. He asked for um, building material. He asked for money and the king gave it to him. And then he traveled four months, 900 miles. He was in the Medo-Persian empire over here in Susa. He traveled to Jerusalem four months. Now that's a long journey. I don't know about you, but I get put out if I've got to go an extra 10 minutes to the grocery store, <laughs> right? You know, the American church now, part of the reason why we have campuses and all that, the American church is based on this assumption, it's data, that we won't travel more than 20 minutes to go to church. Some of you are laughing, but it's true. It's a reality. We've gotten real, can I say it this way, church, we've gotten way too comfortable. And, and God is asking us, will you take a four-month journey and take your money and your resources and your time, and would you risk your life to go before the king to do something for the kingdom? Uh, that, that's really how the Lord is framing it for us. The, the state of the American church is a little wobbly, and I say a little wobbly just with a, a whole lot of grace and faith. It's, it's, it's a wobbly. The nuns are the fastest growing religious or non-religious group in America, and I, I don't mean nuns in you, those who are in the Presbyterian church, I mean the nuns. Um, and when we say none, it means what religious affiliation do you have? 80% of Americans say they're Christians. But when you say to them, what is your religious affiliation inside of Christianity? They say none. That means I don't have a place to go. I don't go and worship 18% in 1998. It's all the way to 26% in 2021. 26%. So what that means is right behind us, there's a generation that somehow we've missed them. Some, in some way, we've missed them, and our struggle, our struggle is to find an affiliation and then to go for it in the Lord, to say, I'm going to do what Nehemiah did. I'm going to do what he did. We need to get our zeal back, don't we, church? We really need to get our zeal back. We need to get our passion back. We need to get our our yes back for the Lord. We need, to, we, need to, we need to have a resounding thing in our spirit where we say to him, yes. And so I thought I'd lighten it up a little bit and show this little clip. Boy's baptism video is now going viral. His dad posting this video with the caption, my son gave his life to Jesus today. And clearly his son couldn't wait to do it. Listen. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son. <laughs> he said, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love his little voice. Just do it. Boom. Don't wait on us. <laughs> we we got to go. We, we've got to go, don't we? Does that bless your heart? <laughs> Does that bless your heart? Did, can you, could you see in him too? Uh, there's a little close-up. If you go and watch the video, it's a, a, a wider picture of the video, and he was just like this. Ah! 
<laughs> he was ready to go. Ready, ready, ready. Nehemiah provided inspiration for the work. So what we need, inspiration for the work. We've got to rebuild the walls of our hearts, our homes, our schools, our city. There's so much work to do, church. There's so much to do. Some of you have negative feelings about group projects, don't you? Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, I have negative feelings. Don't check this out. This is the way it goes. And you, you know what it means? The picture's a little blurry. This dude does 99% of the project. You were that person in school, weren't you? Hey, let's do a group project. And then this dude doesn't know where he's at. This guy right here says he's going to help, but he, he's, he doesn't help at all. This guy does, he disappears when the project starts and shows up when it's over. We, we've been scarred by group projects. But I want to tell you the church is a group project. The church is a group project, and all of us, Nehemiah did something that was amazing. He, he was a genius. He really was a businessman. He was a genius. He came to the church. He said, hey, you guys, listen, what are you guys doing? You've been, uh, Zerubbabel came 75 years ago, and you laid the foundation of the temple, and you worshiped, and then the elderly people were crying, and they were saying, this isn't the temple that I've seen. This isn't the temple that I've seen. I, I want the greater glory to come to the temple of God. Do you believe that there's an outpouring left for America? There is an outpouring left for us. I, there really is. There can't just be dismal, 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 the loss of culture, and then death. There has to be the prophetic understanding that there is a season left for the church because when it gets dark is when the brightest counts the most. It's when things that are bright count the most, church. They, they make the most difference. And so Nehemiah, here's a picture I want you to see. Nehemiah did something that was genius. He set every person next to another person. So everybody worked on the wall, everybody, everybody worked on the wall. So if you see this, this don't worry about the drapery behind them. This is actual, the actual wall that they found from Nehemiah's wall. And if you'll picture this lady here in the red and inside of the wall, she would have been sta standing next to Bill, who would have been standing next to Mike and standing next to Cindy, standing next to Anne. So inside of the wall, they were building next to one another the genius part of it was that they were building in front of their own home. So when we get to January, I'm going to ask you to sign up whatever God says to do, not what we say to do. I want to ask you to sign up by family to connect to what God wants to do in the city. Who's excited? I mean, you guys, are you guys with me? Are you with me? You guys with me? Like, oh, you said sign up. I'm out. No, no, you. We can't spectate any longer. We, we can't spectate. In other words, our prayer is that you see people saved. That you pray, they get saved. Our prayer is that you pray, they get healed. You will come to church differently when on Monday you see somebody give their life to Jesus. You'll come to church, you won't, you won't care how you sing or how loud you sing. You won't care what the worship song is, you'll be singing so loud. When, when, when you go and you say, my house is connected to God's house. And my house, <laughs> yes ma'am, yes ma'am, my house is connected to God's house. And the glory that God wants to have come through me will come into my house, which will come into my house. I'm, I can't, 
I, I'm going to repair the breach. I'm going to rebuild the wall. I'm going to start with my mind and I'm going to say to God, God, what do you have to, what, what forces do you need to put up? What do you got to do? And when you look at the wall, the picture of the wall, some of the stones were big stones that had to be hewn. They had to be cut. But most of the stones were uncut stones. They look like rubble. And you know what God does with rubble? He builds an altar. And God says, I don't want you to have cut stones as your altar. He says that in the scripture, it's in your notes. He says, do not put a tool, something that could make something smooth. Do not put that tool to the stone to make your altars or your walls. Why? Because I need you in the simplicity of your worship to not look at what you've made and said, that's really good. I made it. I need you to kneel at uncut stones and offer your life as a living sacrifice to me. God, God isn't impressed with what you can do. Man, that makes me God's not impressed with what you can give him. God's impressed in what you give back from him to him. God's impressed when you say, God, I have nothing to give you except my, I offer my life and my words to you and what flows out of you is something that's reciprocal because he's pouring it in as he's receiving it at the same time. That's the God of the universe and we can't clap for that one. I, you guys were waiting. You guys like, are you being so serious? I'm like, whoo, I'm serious. We gotta defend the wall. We have to defend it. We have to build it and defend it. What Nehemiah did, he said all the people at the low places and he gave them a sword and a trowel. And what God is saying to us is he's saying, I want you to build. Come on, I want you to build. I want you to be in the word. I want you to come to Iron Man. I want you to go to sisterhood. I, I want you to read your Bible. I want you to tithe. I want you to give. I want you to build, but you have to defend at the same time. You have to know that when you put that wall up and the enemy kind of pokes his face around that you call on your friends, <laughs> that you don't try to do it on your own. The enemy will take you out if you try and do this on your own. There's a, there's a classic a movie. I want to reference scripture first. They were facing Sanballat and Tobiah, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, all these people. Isn't it amazing that when you go to start serving God, the people that are going to give you the hardest time are in your own family? Oh, you mean you're going to church again? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to, it's, it's a, how many of you agree? It's a lot of a work to get to church. <laughs> how many of you agree? It's a lot. If you, if you don't agree, you've not been to church. <laughs> or your kids are long gone and you've forgotten how hard it is to get those babies in the car. <laughs> right? It's work to do anything that brings worth. It's work. God wants to take that and do something spectacular. There's this uh, towering theological movie called Gladiator. And uh, there's a scene in it that I think we're all familiar with, or most everybody's familiar with it, and I just want to play it just to show how much we need to activate together to defend the wall. Anyone here been in the army? Yes. I'll start with you. I've been to You can help me. Whatever comes out of these gates, if 
we've got a better chance of survival if we work together. Do you understand? If we stay together, we survive. We play a clip like that, and there's a line of guys afterwards going, that was awesome, man. <laughs> you know the reason why Gladiator is so awesome? It's not because of the gore or whatever, the battle, all stuff. It's because the character. It's the character. What we love the most is the, the statue of character that matters so much. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, I want you to defend the wall together. I want you to build together next to Cindy and Ann and Mike and Bill. And you, again, you'll come to church differently. Whatever campus you go to, Plant City, South Shore, online, you'll come to church differently. Why? Because you've done battle together out there for him. And you're re you'll recognize, you'll recognize that's my battle partner. That's my friend. Uh, we're sitting next to people. We want to know somebody's got our back. And that's how we do it. That's how we engage together. And then we want to give towards the work. I want you to note the scripture, Nehemiah 7, 70 through 73. We want to give. And my suggestion is propositional or proportional generosity. Proportional generosity. Is everybody okay if uh, each person, no matter how much you earn, you earn a lot, you earn a middle, or you earn a little, if everybody gives 10%. Is everybody good? <laughs> Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. 10% is the same for everybody. What happens in Christianity is the more we earn, the more we look at how much it is that we give and we forget that we're not giving for any. In other words, the more you earn, the easier it is to look at the number that you give and say, that's a big number and it still not be 10%. So the people that are giving 10% are actually giving more than the person who has more. The check is bigger, but they don't feel it as much. Let me say, you guys with me? Hey, let me give you an illustration. And what happened to Nehemiah is the king, the king of the world, gave the most. The king, Artaxerxes, he gave the most. He gave the timber, he gave the time, he gave the labor, he gave the permission. He gave so Nehemiah could go. He gave. Then it says the governor, Nehemiah didn't name himself, but Nehemiah, out of his own wealth, provided probably 50% of the project. Everything had to be built and organized and deployed and resources Listen, church, if we're ever going to do something that matters, that really matters in our city, if, we're, if, we, if we said, hey, listen, we're going to care for every homeless person in Hillsborough County. Come on. Come on. Some of you guys are like, oh, don't ask me. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Uh, let, me, tell you, let, me let me tell you something. When we get there in January and when we fast, we're going to bring homeless folk here and we're going to love on them. And you'll be different when you help wash somebody who doesn't smell good. 
because you think that smelling good is what makes you good. And smelling good isn't what makes you good. And we have to touch this stuff again. We have to get real again. We have to get dirty again. We have to find, we have to find the space where God truly pours his grace on us, not a Christianity that is, I'm gonna tip and walk away. I'm, we're, we're grateful, can, can, we, can I just, can I lighten it back up again? I'm so sorry, I'm being emotional today, man. It's just working me. I'm preaching to me, you guys. Listen, if, if a person makes $10,000 a month and they give $500 a month, and a person makes $5,000 a month and they give $500 a month, who gives more? The person who earns less income. Why? Because they feel it more. They feel it more. And 10% is 10% for everybody. The tithe is already God's. The tithe is the Lord's. And so if we're gonna say, if we say some audacious goal, we say we're gonna care for every homeless person in Hillsborough County, that means the vision needs provision. And provision has to pour in. There was so much money. Go back and read the text that's in your notes, all right? It's on, it's on the app. So much provision poured in that Nehemiah said, hey, you guys, stop giving. Hey, I would love to do that someday. At the crossing, you guys. Hey, you guys, that's enough. I mean, that's enough. And really, I believe that when we get over there and, and, and we expand vision and we bring the homeless in, I believe I'll get to say that. Amen. I believe I will. God says, bring the whole tithe, Malachi 3.10. And I'm gonna tell you, it comes with a promise and then we're gonna wrap it up. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. How much is the tithe? 10%. How much is the tithe of what you have? 10% of what you have. 10% of what you earn. And God says that there may be food in my house. What does that mean? To provide for all the needs of the church and to take care of. Now, substance means that you have enough to take care of not just your business, but the people, the mission, what God says to do. Now, watch this. Test me in this, the Lord says. Test me. It's the only place in the Bible where he says to test me. He does it with money. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not room enough for it in your house, in your house that God would actually bless your house. So the promise, the act, the act of tithing, the 10%, God says, I own, if you read the scripture, I own the first lump, 10, so that I could put my blessing on your 90. And when God puts his blessing on your 90, I promise you, the tither's blessing is this ascension to the Lord. And then the Bible goes on and it says that your gates might be open, Isaiah 60, 11. Your gates should be open day and night that men might bring the wealth of the Gentiles to you. So why would God take money from people that don't know him and give it to you? Some of you guys are like, dang, I don't know. Just bring it on. Here's what God says. When you're faithful with a little, I'll give you much. Why? So that you can be blessed. Why? So that you can put, I'm blessed on your tag. <laughs> or on your boat. Or on your house. No. 
God's okay with you having stuff. And if you have a fancy car, I want to ride in it. So, so watch me now. God's not mad at you can have stuff. You can actually have really nice stuff. God wants you to be blessed. Say blessed to be a blessing. In other words, what God wants you to realize is that when he gives you great amounts that you get to change the world and you get to say, I helped feed 50,000 people. I, because of God's blessing on my life and that I don't live paycheck to paycheck, I have surplus that God has given me that he trusts me with. I have nice things, but that, I'm not living for nice things. What I'm living for is world change. I'm living for impact with human beings. And, when, and your life will change when you understand what you receive isn't yours. It's given to you to be given to them. Now that's a difference in blessing. Because God, so, so this is what God's saying. There, there is this proportional giving. Every person gave. The king, the governor, the heads of households, and all the people. And all the people. And then we gotta send a signal. I'll wrap it up like this. We have to send the signal that there might be so much prayer that all the priests and all the churches and all the gathering, would it be an awesome thing? And I'm just gonna, we'll, we'll prophesy, we'll prophesy. There will be a time, and we're, we're gonna try, we're gonna do everything we can to bring churches and pastors and leaders together so that we all might be on the same page to do the same thing he's asking us to do. That there would be a fire that's lit in a house. And I don't care whose house it is and whose house it starts in and what happens, but that there might be so much worship in the house of God that starts in your house and starts in this house that other houses light their beacon too. Uh, there's a Lord of the Rings. It's another favorite movie of mine. It just rings a bell. It just... So the true king has come back. Aragon has come back. And they go and light the tower. It's a beacon. And then other places light their towers and they come together. Wouldn't it be amazing if our vision expanded and we said, what can we do corporately as not just as the crossing, but as the big C church in Tampa? What if we could get together 5,000, 10,000, 20,000? And then, and we all move our resources and our abilities and we say to the school board, they say, what do you need? And they say, we can't believe you're here. <laughs> and we say, tutors, help after school. Dream with me a little bit, church, come on. Dream with me a little bit. Listen, just, just dream with me a little bit. What if we could affect the foster care system in a massive way? What if we could? <clears throat> what, if, what if pastors served other pastors? Broke the spirit of divination. So we're gonna watch the fire and then I'm gonna pray, okay? We're gonna pray the fire just is lit today. We're gonna watch it, just check it out.
Halleluja. Why don't you join me in prayer? Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you today. Come on, tell him you love him. Come on, you just tell him you love him. Across our campuses, let's all, let's all surrender. Let's make this surrender to the Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus. Every voice say, Lord Jesus. Today's the day. I give you my life. I surrender. Come be Lord. I know I've sinned, but I turn to you today with all I have. If that's your prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's your prayer, you're making that your prayer today. On the count of three, would you raise your hands? One, two, three. You're making that your prayer today. We see you, friends. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget, you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live service broadcasts by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash crossingchurch. You can also download our app Just search for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. For times and locations of all of our services across three locations, visit wearecrossing.com.